All right. So Amanda, give us a little rundown as to your start, how you, what inspired you to start this company and give us a background of whatever you want to share and tell us more about you before we get into the questions surrounding business and how that ties into and creates value to your life. Well, thank you so much, Julia, for having me on the podcast. I'm usually in the host uh, seat <laughs> with podcasts, so it's a little bit different being interviewed, um, but I'm excited to be on this end. Uh, so yeah, a little bit about me. My name is Amanda, and I'm an early 30-year-old. I grew up right outside of Boston in Melrose. And about two years ago, I migrated north to the beautiful state of Maine. So I am now considered a Mainer. I love life up there. And I have a really strong background in psychology and mental health. I've been an advocate for well over a decade. I've been a peer supporter, a lifeline support. I've done work with different organizations throughout New England and throughout the country. So I do hold a degree in psychology and I'm currently finishing my master's in organizational psychology, hence the organizational psychologist part. So it's a really great program that molds psychology, business, HR together. So that is a work that I've been doing for a while, and I'm going to continue to do uh, once I am done with the program. But why we're here today to talk about Mission Candle Co. So I started the company back in January of 2021, and I have been making candles for about four years now. And oh, wow. I wanted. Yeah. So I wanted to start the company years ago, but for some reason, it just never felt right. I wasn't in the place to start it at the time. And I, you know, halfway through grad school, I was like, why don't I just start another company? So I, I got time. I got time. You know, I have multiple other businesses I'm running, working in-house for a client. So, and doing an accelerated grad program. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start another company. But it really has been an amazing process because it's taken me outside of everything else that I've been doing. A lot of my work is based on the computer and with people and I love people. I love technology. I love all that stuff, but there's something about going back to your roots of creating a product with your hand. That is so cool. And the fact that people buy something that I make is just, it still amazes me over six months later since launching the company. So yeah, so I just, I kind of just took a chance. It was also inspired because I lost my grandmother in January and I just decided, I was like, you know, life's too short. I'm going to give this a go, see how it goes. And it's really, I've been so excited and so overwhelmed by the support and we actually just kind of recently launched the wholesale side of the business. So working with other businesses, I mean, that's just been an amazing process. So yeah, in really the foundation of why I started a company. So I grew up loving candles, like 
everyone else in, I'm not going to name the name, but there was a certain candle company that was all over my house, all over everyone. I'm sure people <laughs> listening to this podcast know the brand. Uh, and then, Don't you know, as, <laughs> as I got older, I learned that there's actually a lot of toxic materials in a lot of candles, like the uh, fragrance, the specific fragrances and the wax that they use and also the wick in the colors also the way that it burns um, can be really toxic in the materials so I wanted to create an affordable and accessible candle for people who are really conscious about the candles that they're burning in their home and that was something that I was really concerned with because if you come to my apartment, I have candles burning in every single room, especially on the weekends. So I wanted to create a product that was safe for animals and kids and families and for the environment. And as a typical millennial, I had to have a social mission attached to my business, which is something that is really important to me. And as we see other generations coming up from a marketing perspective, having some type of social mission attached to your brand is really important. Mm -hmm. So we partnered with One Tree Planted out of Vermont. And so as Julia mentioned in the intro, every candle that is purchased, we plant a tree and... I don't even know the number and we're only six months in and we've planted well over a hundred trees at this point. Wow. Yeah. That's unbelievable. That's yeah. It's pretty great. exciting. People go get your candles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and go plant a tree. That that's unbelievable. And I think like that really shows to the test and like, I mean, even with like a small business, like there is, there is such a, um, social narrative behind it now with like social policy, the news, uh, politically. Um, and like, we won't delve too much into that, but I think it's really important to note that like, no matter how much of a ripple there is, it always creates a long lasting effect. And like, I mean, like we talk about issues such as climate change and here you are giving back and contributing to that, ensuring that there is a place like leaving it better than we found it, so to speak. And for generations to come to enjoy and not only enjoy the earth, but enjoy a lovely scent of one of your candles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that's, you know, as a business owner, I do think that we do have a responsibility to the people we employ, to our environment, to anything that's involved in the environment, not even just like what's outside, but, you know, how we create culture in a company and how we produce products and where we're sourcing them from, we have, we have a responsibility. And so I have really seen this movement, especially with people shopping more locally at small businesses, especially over this past year with COVID, when the sales of Amazon just like went through the roof, you know, there definitely has been this push to support smaller businesses and small businesses support a local economy and not saying that larger, but there's a, there's a place for everyone, you know, speaking as an organizational psychologist, there is a point for every organization in our economy. Uh, we just need to diversify too, right? Like, so that, you know, the little guys can have a chance at the end of the day. Um, 
Yeah. And so small business is something that runs through me on a family level too. My dad is a small business owner. Growing up, he owned his own real estate company. And my grandfather, he owned um, a company too, a, a smaller business. So it's something that is definitely inherent in its uh it's a way in which you can leave your mark on the world too, um, which I love. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so, so, so important. And I think for, I think for a while there, I think it was just so, it was such a hyper focus on like going to college and doing whatever you got your degree in and not really being, having the chance to, or be even being, not having the chance to even, like still appreciate and still do the things that you enjoyed when you were younger. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people are, I think, especially over the past year, people have revisited like what really essentially brought them joy, like when they were younger and like really tapping into that and leaning into that whole experience. And, you know, it, like, as we all know, like the last year showed everybody that like life is short and things can change in a heartbeat and, to appreciate and to enjoy everything around us while we have it, or even pick up a new hobby. Like we all had tons of time last, like over the past year. And there was a lot of self-evaluation with that too. So, I mean, I think like, as you're saying, like from the organizational standpoint, like it's like, is there, there is a seat at the table for everybody. And even with this, like you can find your own niche to find out what works for you and like how you can contribute. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that comes down to mindset, which is something I'm really passionate about too, with the integration of mental wellness is this idea that, oh, there's already so much competition out there. And, you know, I'll joke and say, how many candle companies are out there? There's thousands upon thousands of candle companies out there. And I could have been like, hey, you know, there's a bunch of other candle companies out there. But the way that you brand it, your unique product is different than anyone else. And speaking from a marketing standpoint, that's what's going to separate you from the work that other people are doing. And there is, there's always room for other people at the table. And that's how we create innovation too, is if we're continually churning the same type of content or product or whatever in society, we're never going to move forward. So it does, it takes a collective of these different people with different backgrounds and experiences to come together and develop and, you know, create different businesses and do cool things. Right. No, I agree. I mean, as you know, like not, I'm not going to touch too much on myself, but um, I, again, small business, like there is a, like, what I might do as a trainer or as a, as a martial arts instructor is not the same as what someone else would do. And so I think, I think people get a lot, a lot of the time uh, people are intimidated by that whole competition. Like I'm not going to, like, I won't do it or I probably shouldn't do this. Like you're not going to know. And the answer is always going to be no, if you don't try. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of collaboration over competition. And I, there's a place for obviously competition and collaboration. uh, But I think the more we collaborate and the more we can come together and uh, mold our experiences and build partnerships. I mean, it's been amazing with the small businesses I've reached out to who will be housing my candles in their stores. And, you know, they could have 
you know, went to someone else, or they could have gone to a cheaper place or, you know, something else. But, you know, there's a, there's place for everyone. And I think when we come together and we collaborate more, there can be amazing growth. And yeah, I'm not saying that there isn't place for competition too, because at the end of the day, we, you know, we have to get a, you know, we have to make money and and do our thing and stuff like that. Um, But I think having more of a holistic look at how we operate, uh, definitely. And I think, yeah, and it helps people too, who think that there is so much competition out there that why do what I want to do, you know, and it's like, just try, like, that's my whole thing is like, as a business owner, I've tried things and I failed at it and I'll continue to try things and fail at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the whole thing is, is I keep going forward. And that's, that's really a sentiment to success and mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, that that's certainly years of work that (laughs) we've had to do. And I'm sure you've had to do too, Julia. Uh, But yeah, it it's important. And it, you know, you got to do what you want to do in life. Life is too short. Exactly. I feel that. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Now, (laughs) let's touch on, let's go back to the whole mindset piece a little bit more. And like, this just reminded me of it. So uh, obviously with business, with competition, it's constantly and consistently. And if you don't notice it right away, like it is a moving target. Like what can I do to level up each time? Can you like, can you go into what mindset means to you and how you applied it to this company in addition to your other work? Yeah, definitely. Uh, So I would say I was probably in more of like a scarcity competition type of mindset before. Also, I grew up with a mindset that owning a business for some reason wasn't an option. Like it wasn't something that I thought about, something I was capable of. There was definitely a lot of I was held back. I'll go into it a little bit, but uh, I have a I had a pretty severe history with anxiety and panic attacks from like 15 until my early 20s. And so anxiety just controlled my life. I was just at the realm of anxiety, constantly thinking about anxiety. So it really hindered me in my development for what I wanted to do. I kind of, you know, I got the college degree, I got a job, hated the job, bounced around, you know, did this, did that. And I really kind of went back to what's important to me. And and what's important to me is our relationships with each other. And so through that work, I started to heal in, you know, to this day, I've worked on my anxiety, I haven't had panic attacks, probably in over seven years. And I don't let, you know, stress control me. And I kind of really shifted my mindset. And I was like, I'm in charge of my life. It's up to me to create my own opportunities. And I wasn't seeing those opportunities at the places I was being employed at. I wasn't seeing the creative freedom or the ability to start a podcast or to start a new product. So I did a lot of self-education for years. And now I would say I have more of an abundant mindset where I'm like, anything's a possibility. I'm not talking about what I'm working on yet because it's way too early, but uh, there's some tech stuff that I want to be doing um, with organizations and stuff. So it's just, it's cool once you're in this mindset because you're like, the limits are endless. Like you can do anything you want to do. 
And so it really does take a lot of deconstructing, especially if you're not already in a mindset of abundance and, you know, creating and manifesting if you want to get a little like woo woo about it. Uh, But it is true, you know, like I envisioned starting a company and I envisioned helping people and like all these other things. And I've been able to make it happen. And I know that as I continue through my 30s and 40s and throughout my career, I'm going to be able to do other things too. And um, yeah, so I would just really say that it really had to, my mindset had to shift to, I have endless opportunities. There is room for me at the table. Absolutely. And recognizing that I have the capability within myself to do anything I want to pursue. Awesome. I love it. That's, that's great. Now I want to go for another business. No. Uh, <laughs> I know. Right. I'm like, no, that's, that's unbelievable. Absolutely unreal. Now, as you were, as you were speaking, um, I was just thinking about like, just how you create this balance amongst everything. Cause you wear an awful lot of hats right now. And how do you create that balance between like running the business and like, what boundaries do you have in place to ensure that you are staying, like keeping your head out of the clouds, so to speak, and like staying level-headed and present and in the moment? Yeah, that's a really great question because a lot of people, they'll ask me, I have family members and half of my family members, they don't even, they, they're like, I can't keep up with you. I have no idea. Like, what you're doing, maintaining, you know, client work and other businesses and that. I've also looked at it as certain things are going to ebb and flow, especially with having a candle business. Like a lot of that can be seasonal. Um, We've had consistent orders thus far and will into the summer. And I know that a lot of our work will be coming in the fall and the winter. And so I just shift. And so I may do a little less consulting during that time. And I may do a little less coaching. Um, But when it really comes to balancing and self-care, I love being busy. And I think also when you've been doing this work for a while, well over a decade, you start to get good at it. And so it doesn't take me as long to do the stuff that I used to do. I do outsource some things like writing things to team and sometimes I'll outsource some social media stuff. So, you know, definitely getting to the point to delegate and also allowing yourself flexibility. Um, You know, my whole thing as a mental health advocate is my own self-care. And so I definitely have boundaries around certain times that I won't work. I sleep as late as I need to in the morning. I, you know, I, I tend to have meetings a little bit later in the day or later in the morning. So I'm able to get a full restful night and I tend to be a little bit more of a night owl. So I don't mind being up, you know, after dinner. And I also really try and reserve at least one weekend day to spend with like friends or my significant other, you know, things like that or hobbies. Um, With your dog. 
Yeah. Walk on the beach with my dog. I love doing that. Uh, but you know, some of the work I do too is like content creation. I love it. And I do it too, because it just, it's, it's a form of creativity for me. And it, it's weird because people will be like, oh, but it's like a productivity thing and it's for your business. But for me, it doesn't feel like that. Like a lot of my work, like in the mental health area really is just kind of, it's for myself and it's for other people who kind of are in the, the same realm. So it doesn't, it really doesn't feel like work for me. And I love podcasting. Like I love talking to people and it doesn't feel like that doesn't feel like work to me. Um, maybe the editing process does a little bit, <laughs> but the conversations with people and just, you know, getting to know people and their backgrounds and things like that, uh, I feel like this has been long winded, but oh, yeah, no. I would definitely say that boundaries are super important. So I have a certain timeline around when I will work, when I won't work, really trying to reserve that time on the weekend, you know, even if it's just half of a weekend day, just to kind of uh, reconnect and spend time with people or, you know, even just solo time. But I'm also really, I practice self-care throughout the day. Self-care for me is really basic, like making sure I'm drinking eight glasses of water throughout the day, three healthy, balanced meals and snacks, moving my body in a way that feels good and getting enough rest. And so when my basic self-care is met, I, you know, I feel pretty good and I'm able to continue doing everything that I do. Um, and I also keep myself in check. I, I know when I'm starting to take on too much work or, or starting to get stressed. I actually recently stepped down from the volunteer work I was doing. I was like, I just need a little bit of a break while I kind of transition with some things in life. So I'm very, you know, I, I also prioritize, right? Like, you know, you got to pay bills. So there's a certain amount of work that you have to do and you have to prioritize that stuff. And so everything else will, will come after that. Uh, so hopefully that, that makes sense. <laughs> it totally does. And uh, let's go back to the uh, self-care because that looks really different for everybody. For mm -hmm. some people, it could mean a hot bath with a glass of wine. Some people, it's going away for a weekend. And so this is also just a reminder that self-care is what works for each individual person, not what you think should work for you because it worked for somebody else. And I think that a lot of people get carried away with like the glamorization of like what it's supposed to be. And unfortunately, that might peak someone's anxiety or panic even more and they're not even able to relax right and this whole idea that self-care are these really luxurious baths or getting massages or getting your hair done and there's nothing wrong with any of that like trust me uh but self-care has kind of been packaged by marketers in this very consumeristic way. And self-care really just comes down to the basics. Like what I was saying, getting enough sleep, rest, eating, drinking enough water, hydrating your body, enjoying life, um, you know, and all the other stuff can come after. Certainly for me, I love a nice piece of like dark chocolate or, I love getting massages, you know, here and there, but they're not a necessary 
like part of my self-care routine. They're kind of like those added benefits. Um, Just because, yeah, for me, it really is about like keeping it simple, keeping it basic. Um, If I'm really starting to get stressed, I sit in a meditation for 10 minutes. I'll pop on earbuds and like walk through a meditation. So it's about kind of having all those little tools in your kit to, you know, work through whatever you might be going on. Um, You know, for me, for a long time, it was therapy. um, But I, you know, my mental health has been really well balanced and managed. And I've been able to work through a lot of stuff. So, you know, currently, I'm not in therapy, but it's always an option. Um, And again, there's also that like, whole privilege thing that comes around with self-care, which I've talked about on my podcast too. Um, So if you want to dive more into that conversation, you know, I have some episodes on it, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, I would just say, try and start with the basics and then anything else you can add on. That's great, but it's not necessary for, for self-care. And sometimes self-care too, is like doing the stuff you don't want to do, like making a monthly budget and sticking to it (laughs) (laughs) and laundry and like adulting and like calling the doctor that you haven't called in a year and making that appointment still do it for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah right (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah gotta make those thanks for the reminder uh no I completely hear you I think as you I think when we're in our 20s too like it's like we're right at that right after we finish like our undergraduate studies or even if like we're if anyone's in a trade too like you get out of that journeyman apprenticeship uh role and then like you can take on more responsibility like your experience improves like your expertise but i think like there's that whole kind of party-esque everything is great from like 23 up until like I don't want to say 29, but like you can still, you can still enjoy it. But the, it just seems like once you hit a certain age, like the expectations are there, like so different, like you have to adult at this point. But, you know, I think what happens is, is that we're so ingrained that when we're in our twenties, like, Oh, wait till you turn 30, everything goes downhill. And I don't know about you, but like, I feel like that really hasn't been the case and everyone's on their own trajectory on their own path. So you really can't compare anyone to yourself to anyone aside from yourself of like where you want to be. Yeah, I so agree. And I'll flip the narrative there because my twenties were not that great. I struggled a lot in my twenties. I didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of in and out of random like dating. I wasn't like dating the right people that I wanted to and working jobs I didn't like. And just your 20s are really an extension of your adolescence. And I wish there, yeah, there is this pressure that it's like your 20s are fun and great. And yeah, they can be and stuff, but I also went through a lot of stuff in my 20s too with like family and my own mental health. And I don't know, I, I'll i be officially uh, one year into my 30s 
like in one month. Um, so I, yeah, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be 31 in like a month. Yay. And uh, my thirties thus far have been amazing. I completed, I'll have completed a master's degree, opened up another business, like I'm in a healthy relationship, like, you know, starting this new journey as an organizational psychologist. So uh, it's just, I feel like I'm at a point in life where I'm living the life that I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so if you're flailing in your twenties and you're listening to this, just know you're not alone and it's okay. Like, and like you said, everyone is on their own journey. Some people might not get to this point till they're like forties or fifties and that's, that's okay. okay. Yeah. And like, I, I love that you said that because I think that's a huge reminder. Like there is that pressure in your twenties, like start also start looking for somebody and mm-hmm. you start looking for somebody that checked all these boxes, but they might not align to what it is that you see in a healthy relationship either. And with that, it like you learn by doing it, by being with them, like that doesn't work, but also how does it impact every other aspect of your life? If, mm-hmm. and just with that pressure, like, oh, I have to have, I have to get married. I have to have kids by this age. Like I want to be settled down, but that's great. You can want to be settled down, but what are you doing for you before in order to get to that point? Like, do you really, to the point of, do you really know yourself to really understand what it is that you want and you deserve? Yeah. And I so feel for those people who feel that pressure. So I have known since I was 18, 19, that I never wanted kids. And so it's been all my friends and my family, they've been amazing and super supportive of that. And now at 30, I'm like, yeah, yeah, like not changing my mind about that. Uh, I may get married someday. I don't know. Um, We'll see if that happens. But wherever the cards fall. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I've never felt that pressure from like family or friends to do any of that stuff. Um, And I think also, too, because I've always like done multiple different things. And my priorities have been like, running businesses and exploring my passions and hobbies. And yeah, it's really nice to have someone at the end of the day, but I spent the majority of my life single. So I, you know, I think a lot of people were used to that. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, like the thing is, is like life is what you make it. And there are people who do that, who have kids and get married and then, they're miserable or they're happy or they're, you know, so you just got to live life on your own terms and really figure out what you want. Um, and like work on yourself too, because I didn't get into my first relationship till I was 25 because I did so much work on myself. Yeah. I dated and stuff like that, but, um, you. yeah, it wasn't like, I know. And, and some people are like, what? Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't start dating until after high school and then, yeah, dealing with the anxiety stuff. I was like, I'm not bringing someone else into this mess. (laughs) And then, uh, you want to deal with this mess. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, I mean, I've kind of always been someone who's lived life on my own terms and I don't regret any of the choices I've made or, you know, the people I've been with or anything like that. Um, would it have brought you here if you didn't do any of that? What would it have brought you to this point where you feel 
like if you hadn't had any of those experiences, would you be, would you be the same person? Would you be pursuing all of this and basically killing the game? Like with that, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, you know, as funny as it sounds, but my move to Maine two years ago was a big game changer for me. And it was the time that I needed to live life on my own terms. I got my own apartment by myself, like moved to a new state, really didn't have anyone that I knew, did a lot of self-development and exploration, spent the whole first year single. And then I just happened to to meet the person I'm in a relationship with now. And yeah, if I didn't have that experience and I didn't make myself uncomfortable and, and make that move, I would not be where I am today at all. Yeah. That's a lot of self-awareness. That's wow. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed. That's great. And like, I feel like in some, like in, like I'm the same way, like I'm, I'm slow moving, but also like I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, well how, what's going to add value mm-hmm. and what's the quality going to be. And just in terms of like, what is this going to, or even is it, is it going to pull me away like these are all things you don't think of those things when you're in your twenties, but now it's like, no. um, do they spark joy? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is absolutely huge to be able to sit with yourself and to be able to unpack whatever it is that you're feeling. And then to be able to acknowledge and accept or change like, all right, well, this wasn't working. What will work? And mm-hmm. how can, like, how can I make it better? How can I make it fit for me? Exactly. Um, and I want to, uh, this is kind of non sequitur, but I want to go into, and we'll come back to this as well, but how, what was, what was the inspiration behind getting into mental health? Was it because of your own personal experiences with anxiety and with panicking? And what are some like tools that help you to, to be able to stay grounded, to be able to stay present and that you found have worked? Yeah, that's a really great question. I yeah, I got into mental health because of my own. I was having upwards of five panic attacks a day in my early 20s. And I remember being on the phone with my mom and laying on my bed and just being like, I can't see this continuing. Like I was like, if this is the point of life, this is not the type of life that I wanted. So it was kind of a dark point too. And I recognized, I think what ended up happening was I didn't have coping mechanisms like most kids in society, unless they have amazing parents who like teach them coping mechanisms. But I had a lot of stuff going on. I, first of all, I was kind of felt like a little bit of an outsider. I've always been a little bit more of an old soul type of person. So I have always kind of navigated towards being friends with people who are older than me. So like I got along with my peers, but I never felt like I really had anything in common with them. And the stuff they were talking about, I was like, I don't really want to talk about this. This is like stupid. So I had that like self, like internalized pressure. And then Uh, you know, like my parents uh, ended up getting divorced in my early 20s. So like there was stuff with that. My sister has made multiple attempts on her life. So there was kind of like a lot of stuff brewing for a handful of years. 
And so I think, and just not knowing what I wanted to do and like all this, I used to put a ton of pressure on myself. And I think for years, that's really like where the anxiety was coming from. And so I went to therapy and I worked through all that stuff and I healed it. I healed my relationships, you know, navigated through all that. I really learned that I am in control of my thoughts and my thoughts don't control me. So that was really important for me, Uh, you know, maintaining some type of exercise, like moving that stuff through your body, talking about it. That was major for me was just being open and transparent about how I was feeling for so many years. I just lied about having anxiety. My friends would ask me out and I'd just be like, Oh, I'm not feeling good. Cause I felt that shame and that stigma. And so that's something I feel really passionate about is really eradicating that stigma around mental health and it's normal. You know, a lot of people experience anxiety, a lot of people experience depression. So really talking about it, uh, having like healthy relationships, you know, setting up boundaries, setting up boundaries for myself. I think also just like having a balanced life. I remember back when I was feeling this way, I really didn't have a balanced life. I was really just working and kind of just living life. I wasn't pursuing my just getting by. Yeah. I wasn't pursuing my passions. I wasn't really with someone who, you know, I was like, I loved a lot, you know, I was kind of like dating just for the hell of it. And I wasn't living in a place that I enjoyed either. No offense to Massachusetts, but none taken, none taken. Yeah, <laughs> Maine, um, for some reason, I just enjoy a little bit of a slower pace of life with a lot of nature around and really one day. Yeah. And (laughs) I really just like prioritize myself. I think for many years I was a people pleaser and I just said yes to everyone and helped everyone. And then one day I was like, Nope, you know what? I'm my own priority and I have to take care of myself. And yeah. And so self-care practices will ebb and flow and what I do for my mental wellness ebbs and flows. But I think when you feel like you're living a balanced life and you're able to pay your bills and live comfortably and um, eat good food that you enjoy, it really does come down to like the simple, the simple things in life too. Right. Right. And as you mentioned before, like you said that you wouldn't, like you didn't feel good when friends would ask you to come out, like, like to go out and enjoy their company. Like, you really don't feel good. So there is truth behind that as much shame that you felt as like you were saying it, like there is truth, like you couldn't enjoy the moment. You couldn't enjoy being you. Mm-hmm. And because of that, why, why would you put yourself out in a limb? And as they say, the first thing that they say on an aircraft is put your oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on someone else. Right. Yep. So that is something that I've taken to heart completely, especially over the past couple of years. And I think that it's really important to note, like when you know how you're feeling, like it's okay to say, I don't feel good. And like, just keep it at surface level. And then, but almost like process what it, like why the why behind that feeling. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. And so let's talk in just to, I know that's like, so <laughs> you just, uh, but I want to get into like, cause I feel like some of the sense that you have for the candles might actually touch into like 
how what can help people like ground themselves a little bit like how do you base like what smells and scents do you put into the candles like what can people feel like when they buy one of your products yeah so i am really about experience and so what i've tried to do with a lot of the candles in our collection is not just name them lavender or vanilla or cake is really elicit some type of experience. So my favorite scent is pine, our pine and cedar, and it's called a walk in the woods. And I think we've all taken a walk in the woods. And so we all know what that is. And so maybe it brings up an experience of walking in the woods, like holding your child's hand or walking in the woods with your dog, or, you know, maybe a dog that you've lost and it just brings up those nice memories. Um, so yeah. So when it comes to crafting sense that I'm really big into experience and in how that brings up an experience for someone because scent is one of our biggest experience. Uh, there's this whole thing with the brain and, you know, it, it brings up these memories. memories. Yeah. They either bring up really good memories or really bad memories. Um, so yeah. And our lavender one is relax and unwind and it has hints of vanilla in there. So there's kind of like the sweetness vanilla to it. And so it, it really is about you know, an experience. And I try and use a primarily essential oils and essential oils have more therapeutic um, benefits than just fragrance, straight up fragrance oil candles, which is what most people are used to. Like if you go to like a candle store or something like that, unless it's really like a boutique that specializes in certain candles, a lot of them are just fragrance based. And so using the essential oils, it enhances the scent. And especially with the relax and unwind, uh, the vanilla is all essential oil in our candles. So it really does. It's like kind of diffusing uh, lavender for some people who like to diffuse it. So it really is about bringing this consciousness and mindfulness almost to it. Um, I remember just candles were a point in my life where my mom would light it before dinner or before we had guests over. And so I always associated candles with this enjoyable time and like mindfulness and just being present with the people that you're with. And I remember like to this day, we'll launch we'll launch the scent in the fall. I'm still working on it, but my most remembered candle scent is Macintosh. So I remember, you know, going to school and my mom lighting it when we came home from school. So it's just kind of like all those, you know, feel good, feel good moments. Yeah, for sure. Now, how do you, where do you, do you purchase your essential oils from a small business as well? Yes. Yeah, so we try to purchase uh, from small businesses as much as we can. Um, and so, yes, we do supply and we do work um, there. It depends on the season and, and who has the availability. Um, but yes, we try and when we can purchase from other small businesses. Yeah. What's a lot problem? of our, yeah, a lot of our like wholesale products. Um, you know, it's funny because like there is like, 
candle is kind of a big business, but if you look at our packaging, like we use really unique copper containers for a lot of our, like the classic collection, what I'll refer to. Um, and so that's definitely a smaller business um, that we, we source from. That's great. What's the, now, I want to know what the process is, is like, and I'm sure a lot of listeners will be so intrigued by this. Like how, what does a day of like even creating a recipe, so to speak, for a candle, like what are some other sources of inspiration? What is a day like in terms of like finding and discovering new mixtures and new ideas? Yeah, so that's a great question. I lately, because people know who we are and we have repeat customers at this point, I will ask them what their favorite is. And so I'm working on lily, like a lily scent right now, like florals right now are are kind of a big thing with the the springtime. Mm -hmm. So I'll get inspiration from our customers and what they're looking for. And, you know, when they tell me the scent that they want, I'll be like, oh, we'll add a little sandalwood or we'll add some vanilla in with it just to kind of help balance it out. And I also, we launched a healing collection probably about like a few weeks ago now, and those have crystals in them. It's really not my, like what I do. I'm not like really into crystals, but some of our customers are really into crystals. And so I made a, you know, a few candles based on, on that and like what customers want. Um, I'm trying to think about like a recent candle that, well, we have a pride one for this month, you know, that's important with like different representation doing that. And I'm thinking we might actually just keep it up all year long too. I mean, like, why not? Why not? not? Everyone loves like rainbows at the end of the day. And (laughs) yeah. And I want to, Also, candles tend to be very heavily feminine and marketed towards women. So I want to be able to have a collection that's more masculine. So for those who identify that way, and so we're going to do kind of like a cologne collection. And so there's kind of just inspiration from everyday life and like people. And I want to make sure that the business is not just catering towards like one market, like people who just like floral scents or or anything like that. It's also too about like what I like, to be honest, like that's the, the initial scents were lavender and pine and like birthday cake. Cause those were the ones that I really liked. And it's funny. Those are the ones that have sold the most. So I'm, I'm like, okay, so other people are feeling that way. Uh, (laughs) But to get to your other question in terms of, making candles. Everyone is so curious about this process. And I think a lot of people imagine that it's this really complicated process, but it's really not. So it's really fun and exciting, but I get 50 pound slabs of wax. And so I use primarily coconut and soy wax. And so when I get deliveries, I process them by just cutting them up because I can't put a whole slab into like a, a, 
pot container to double boil it. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's cool. Like there's this whole process of just like cutting through and it feels like butter and it's very much a mindful experience. And I think that's why I love, enjoy like creating candles. So after, you know, once I have all the wax cut up, um, I put them in like a pouring container that I double boil. So you melt the wax down over in a double boiler with warm water. And then once the wax is all melted down, I remove it from the heat. And then I add the essential oils and the fragrance oils. And then I pour them. I'm very intuitive. A lot of people, I know a lot of other candle makers, they they measure the specific essential oil that they put in. I kind of just pour it in and mix it until it smells good. (laughs) So there really isn't science behind it for me. I kind of just like to make it a fun, intuitive process. And I have actually one of our wholesale accounts, they have a preference for making the scents lighter. So I have availability in terms of if someone has a little bit of sensitivity, I can make the scents lighter. Mm -hmm. So once they're all mixed in together, then they're just poured into containers. Um, and these containers have a wick that I glue to the bottom. And then I usually have a wick holder. So the wick doesn't move around. And then I pour them into the container. And typically I let them sit for 24 to 48 hours before they're processed for labels and before they're shipped out. So I'm very much into we're very all small batch, hand poured. I don't make a ton of product in advance. Typically, we're if we receive an order on a Monday, we're making the product on Tuesday, Wednesday, shipping it out by Thursday. So it's very much made once it's ordered. We do have some collections that we have pre-made that I'll do like once a month or something like that because they're popular, like our pine or our lavender. Um, but I like to deliver it as fresh as possible to the the client. Um, I will never be a candle company that has candles on the shelf for like a year and shipping them out. Um, Just because I think it gets stagnant, especially when you're working with fragrance oil. Um, This. Yeah, the like the settling and stuff like that doesn't doesn't do well. So yeah, I mean, in terms of making a candle, that that's pretty much what it comes down to. And then, you know, I do like the boring back end stuff and the marketing. And we haven't done a ton of marketing, to be honest, either, which has been kind of funny. Um, and you know, I, I think for the most part, like a lot of people like candles. So once they find a brand they like, they're like, Yeah, well. We'll yeah. keep using it. And then, yeah, so for this summer, we, uh, since the summer kind of slows down for, for the candle business, we launched a cocktail collection. So it kind of goes with like the summer vibe. So we have a mint mojito, a margarita and a Cosmo. And I make little limes out of wax and put them like on top. So it melts wow. in. <laughs> yeah. So it's fun. All right. <laughs> I know. All right. First of all, I have a field trip booked. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Secondly, summer candles coming at you. Getting Mm -hmm. But no, that's like, I'm like thirsty now. (laughs) I want a burrito. (laughs) But the whole process is like, I think, and there's so much heart. There's so much soul that goes, that goes into it. And like so much thought behind it. And like, even just like using your own intuition, like, 
you know what feels right. Like, you know what doesn't. And you know what? You're always going to find someone that might like might like it a little bit stronger than someone else. So mm-hmm. it's most like, I guarantee you it would probably sell. It would definitely sell regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the whole process is just fun. And it's great because it kind of takes me out of my mind too. I tend to kind of constantly thinking about different business things or, you know, creating new content or something like that. And it's just really great. It, it definitely gets me into the flow. So if anyone out there is like into the the psychology behind flow and, and creativity, it's uh, definitely gets me into the the flowness of life, which is fun. You feel like it's not like it's meditative when you do it. I do. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny. Like I'll sometimes I'll have a podcast on or I'll have Spotify on. And then other times there's like nothing. Like I remember last night I was making a handful and prepping some candles for a wholesale order. I have to get out soon. And it was nice. I was in the, I was just preparing it for like an hour and I literally was not thinking about anything else other than baking the candles. So it, it definitely is a very meditative experience for me. Now, how do you do this? Do you, do you do this out of your apartment? Do you have a separate space or? Yeah. So right now it's a, yeah, it's a home-based business. So in my kitchen, I have it like all set up, you know, a handful of times a week, I'll get all the equipment out and supplies. And I have a great porch that when I walk into my apartment, I have a whole like shipping station set up. So I have all that stuff out there. So yeah. And the goal is, hopefully in the next year or two, when I buy a house, I'm able to have a garage dedicated to the business. So that's how it's operating right now. That's, I mean, whatever works, right? Yeah. Yeah. You want it badly enough, you'll make it work. Exactly. Exactly. That's, oh man. Like I knew I had to buy one, like I had to buy a candle, but like now I'm inspired even more to, <laughs> to buy one. So, well, send me, send me your address after the podcast and I'll get one up I, to you. <laughs> not good. I'll still buy one to support. And you know what? Women, like honestly, women own businesses and like just, just in general, like huge proponent of that, especially over the last year, just mm-hmm. trying to get any way to get any type of like name out there, like happy to support it by any means yes i so a couple more questions for you um i can't believe we've, already, like, we've covered so much ground over the past hour i'm kind of impressed so if you so you've alluded to the three people that have been pretty influential is there is there anybody else that's been influential in you taking this taking this on yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, people will ask me, they're like, do you have a mentor or someone in your life who like inspired you to start businesses and stuff? And I, honestly, I've never been one to look up to other people. That might sound weird, but I've always been someone who's lived life on my own terms. And I realized that no one else was living life the same way I was. That doesn't mean I don't have supportive people in my life who, you know, help me along in the process. You know, I'm definitely inspired by the fact that 
you know, technically I'm a third generation small business owner. So I definitely have that within my family. And my mom has been my biggest supporter of the company. She was actually a little bit of an initial investor. Uh, she helped uh, with, you know, financially a little bit in the beginning. And so, yeah, I wouldn't say that there's like anyone out there. Uh, if there's an entrepreneur that I do look up to, it's probably Sarah Blakely of Spanx. I think she's totally awesome and badass and she supports other female business owners, small business owners. And she's really someone who built not built an empire from nothing. She was making the product in her apartment, <laughs> uh, you know, in the beginning of her career. And she's now a billionaire and she does so much advocacy for small business, female owned companies. And she has really great parental leave at her own company. And she employs a lot of mothers, like working mothers and has flexibility around that. So she's been someone I've looked up to as, you know, she, she's doing it. She's doing it well. As a leader, not a boss. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I think it's like when you lead, like you get a lot, there's a lot more, a greater return of investment, right? Yeah. And there's such a difference between being a leader and being a boss. And like, you don't want to be a boss. You want to be a leader. You want to inspire people and you want to collaborate. You know, the boss thing is very much in that competition mentality. And when you look at people who work under managers who like, quote unquote, see themselves as bosses, there's a lack of collaboration. There's high turnover rate as I like step back into that. A lot of ego. A lot of ego, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, you know, in some ways, no, I'm not even going to go there because it doesn't help at all. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling where you're gone, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, no, I think like when, obviously when the ego is in check, like it's easier for things to be accomplished, but like, yeah, the whole boss mentality is like, honestly, in my opinion, very toxic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, as you said, like it inspires people to want to really rise above and to do well. And like, is like a leader is okay with making mistakes themselves, like in order to push forward and have that, as we discussed before, like mindset, like really have that growth mindset of like, okay, well, that didn't work. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And yeah. And I feel like bosses tend to be more dictators and they are definitely more like unchecked power, power dynamics, which is something that happens a lot in leadership positions when that's not being recognized uh, on an organizational level, it can definitely cause issues. So I a hundred percent agree. <laughs> so a couple of questions and we're going to wind, we're going to wind down. Uh, I want, and I'm sure our listeners want to know as well, what are some, where can the, our listeners, uh, connect with you in social media, email websites, where can they connect? Where can they purchase and support you? All the things. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are primarily just interested in the candle company, it's missioncandleco.com. And that's our Instagram handle and our Facebook as well, probably most active on Instagram. And then if you're looking more to personally connect with me, my Instagram is everyday mental wellness. I also have a website for that too. Um, So feel free to shoot me a message over there. 
and yeah, love support any, any way I can get it. Great content, by the way. Thank Amazing. You. Love, love both of your pages. <laughs> and to wind down, what are some small businesses that you support that you think our listeners should really take stock in or visit, whether it's online, in person, now that things are starting to be lifted? What, what are some uh, businesses that you think our, our listeners should venture to? Yeah, that's a really great question. I would say any business that's in your community, any small business, because that small business has a direct impact on your local community. I have my favorites that are, you know, in my neighborhood in, in Maine, um, I would support everything from more small business spas to restaurants and, you know, we all love chains and stuff like that, but I think any way we can support small businesses is a great way to reinvest in our community and also small businesses that have some type of social mission. I love it when small businesses go out and they do greater things for the community that they serve. So I would encourage people to do that. I'm not going to list specific ones because I don't really have anyone on the top of my head that I would like a hundred percent recommend if that makes sense. Um, especially like, especially if you're like not in the specific area that I live in or anything like that, I would just say, you know, really look for the businesses that have a great mission and value and are giving back to the community. Uh, there are so many great small businesses out there doing amazing things and any way that you can support them, get out there and do that. Love it. Well, Amanda, Thank you so much. And um, this was absolutely great. Thank you for coming on. It's a pleasure to see you as always. We'll definitely have to get together. And everyone, make sure that you go out and you check out Instagram, check out the website, buy a candle, some new collections coming soon. And thank you for listening. And we'll check in soon. This is the Locally Sourced.